let me out till quarter to three. Would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm sixty-four? So what happened yesterday? Like you had this premiere. It was a great piece, by the way. You think so? Yeah, I really do. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really well played in a way, and um, it was really fun to, to to work with Insomnio. They're quite professional. They do play very well, but their rehearsals were, in a way, very light. It was quite easy to work with them. So, and and the conductor Ulrich, he really got the piece in a way just by sending the score. And that's something I doubt sometimes that you can tell how a piece should be just looking at the score. And um, he did it. He, he came with all the details and the way he talked with the musicians was re- really the way I thought about the piece. So he got it immediately? Yeah. What do you think about the score was like? It's quite straightforward in a way. I mean, I've conducted this piece uh, three times before. So I had time to change the score and make it even more understandable. Oh, it's one of those. For, okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, 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 that's how it works for me, actually. I write the piece, I have the first performance, then I review it, uh, change things that need to be changed, try to make it more understandable. And yeah, I, I mean, I always say there are two kind of uh, composers, the, the, the guys that, that just keep writing and in the next piece they learn about the previous one and people who write one piece and keep reviewing it and making uh, changes. And, and you're yeah. a reviewer? Yes, yeah. I am. I, I don't write that much. I mean, I really can say two, three pieces a year. And I stick to them and I try always to make them even better up to a point where I just give up and throw it away. So. Oh, yeah, like you're, but you're just like, I'm done. I can't, I, can, I can't take this any farther. Well, um, you know what? In a way, it's not that I change very fast my, my style or uh, my ideas, but it comes to a point where you say, well, this piece is kind of dated for me. I mean, it has the ideas of the old Daniel. For example, this piece that was played here, uh, it's called Yomos. This piece, I started to write it at 2010. So it's three years old. And I finished it 2011, then I reviewed it again. It, it, it has a, a different taste for me, uh, this piece. I mean, I really look at it and I, and I see the issues that I was struggling with three years ago. What issues were you struggling with three years ago? Well, I must say that's the longest piece I've ever written. Uh, this one? This one, which is not quite long. It has 16 minutes or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. No, I'm not a, a person who, who wants to write always longer, longer pieces. I mean, really, my, my span of attention it goes up to 13, 14 minutes, you know, I, I think, must say. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice, honest answer. I think f- people feel obligated to say that they have the attention span of like three hours, just so they can say they're like Wagner or something. Yeah. And uh, they also feel the need to do that because it's almost like the next logical step in becoming a better composer, like dealing with long, you know, lengths of time. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I don't think our cognition, or I'm so scatterbrained because of technology now that I don't think that... That's that, it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, it's, of course, stupid to generalize and say that there are rules about it. But I really perceive, in my attention at least, there are specific breaks in my attention at specific minutes of a piece like minute five or six something happens uh, then minute nine then 
I think I have a, a blank or something like this. I mean, really? the piece need, really needs to, 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 to grab me around those minutes. I mean, it sounds really stupid what I'm saying, but no, it, doesn't, <laughs> it really it depends on the discourse of the piece, of course. So then, how is it for you? Do, do, do you believe that there are um, specific minutes that where, where the magic happens? To tell you the truth, I've never thought about it in those terms. So maybe if I start thinking about analyzing myself from piece to piece, I would figure that I would figure out what time span it would be. But it also depends on how long I know the piece is going to be. So if it's going to be you know, a 30-minute piece, then I probably prepared my brain differently. You know, if it's if it's only one piece on the second half of the concert, I'm going to be like, this is going to be a long piece. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or if it's a piece that's way longer than expected, if it's just one piece on a concert and it ends up being like 30 minutes and I, and it was surrounded by 10-minute pieces and I thought it was going to be surrounded by 10-minute pieces, yeah. then I'm probably more likely to completely check out at minute 10 or something like that. I think it has to do, because I come from a background of um, rock music, or, well, my main instrument is the electric guitar, and so I played in bands before, and the songs, they go up to minute four, I mean, three, four minutes. Yeah, and maximum. I think I'm used, uh, and the, the whole uh, YouTube MTV aesthetics of just three minutes, to have a discourse in three, four minutes. And after that, you need to... to have something new to to keep you going in the discourse so yeah that's true that's true i really envy composers that can they can build a whole piece with just one idea and inside this idea just always keep renewing it yeah. that that doesn't work for me i'm i'm more like a guy that i write something then i change a channel for a completely new idea then i change it again but i mean those channels much you know it's still coming from the same television so there's got to be something that binds of it together course. right yeah, well, for, for yeah. sure for yeah. sure but it's really like this i mean i'm writing so here's the material now it's time to come something completely new that didn't happen before so that i keep my interest you did you so you're like a rock band guy well i mean not, I, said, I mean not I, I now did. but like your your roots you're originally from, so let's do a little bit of background. Like yeah. You're originally from Brazil. Uh, yes. So I'm, I'm from Brazil. There I've learned about music. I learned my instrument, which is the electric guitar, as I said. Where in Brazil? It's a huge country. It's a huge country, and I don't know all of it, actually. It's quite... Well, uh, I, I come from Belo Horizonte, which is a city near uh, Sao Paulo and Rio, which are the two most famous ones. Yeah. But I spent almost all my life in the south of Brazil, which in a city called Porto Alegre. And there I studied composition for the first time. So let me just go back shortly for yeah. this uh, guitar band stuff. Yeah. My teacher at the time, uh, my guitar teacher, who was also a composer, he was studying composition at the university. So I, I found out about uh, contemporary music even before knowing about Bach or uh, Beethoven and so on. I mean, he used to put Stravinsky and... Schoenberg or stuff like that and that was for me the first contact with classical music so it was kind of the opposite way as f for other people which uh, who have the uh, classical training yeah, yeah the stereotype is most people start playing you know piano at the age of two yeah yeah and then they start comp you know maybe composing at the age of like 12 or 13 or something yeah but it's always through classical music first and then they discover it through some weird requirement that they had yeah yeah exactly yeah. but you were just straight up like this weird guitar you know teacher also was into contemporary music and then you knew Stravinsky then, before you knew Bach 
of course you, you hear about Bach yeah, and I know, so on, but, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I got I was more interested in, in the contemporary stuff he was showing us. And then after that, after being exposed to this to this music, it was in a way in the back of my head. But then I, I went to study physics because in Brazil, you know, with seventeen or I think the US also, you have to decide what you're going to do after school. So I decided physics. Music was not an, an option, a very why intelligent it, why, thing what, to do there. Well, it's not an intelligent thing to do anyway. Yeah, at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter where you are. Yeah. But why physics? And why wasn't it an option? Just because it was dumb? It was a dumb idea? You know what? Um, good. Why physics? I mean, I was 17 in the school. I was good with physics. Uh, the teachers I had, they were kind of inspiring. And those were my models, in a way. Uh, and physics is beautiful. It's just really awesome, in a way. And I really like it uh, up to today. But I, it came to a point where I needed to decide, is it physics or is it music? And to jump into music, I, I had to have some friends, actually. It sounds coward, but uh, it helps you when, when people around you are also turning to music, into composition. For example, look, in Brazil, we don't have this tradition of, of classical music, as I was telling you. And, and a composer in Brazil is something quite odd. You may say, well, in the U.S. also and here in Europe. No, this but a no it's There's really, more of a tradition really extremely US, yeah. uh, odd. I mean... Uh, I know more Brazilian composers living outside in Brazil right now than in Brazil, actually. Well, then I turned into music. It was kind of a... I knew people that were just doing composition, going for music, some good friends of mine. And it seems like a good option, in a way. So I was not going to earn money at all with physics, so why not do what I why, like how, it? Why weren't you going to earn money with physics? Well, what kind I, of physics were you into? Well, um, to earn money with physics... Uh, with physics, you, you could do research in the university or teach, which at the university. Which, There's no know. practical application to physics. Can't you like uh, design something? In a way, that's what like engineers engineers yeah. do. So physics is more the abstract, mathematical, theoretical thinking about those issues, about those theories. Can't you? Work, I mean, obviously, you you didn't want to go this way, but because you're you're into the arts, but uh, can't you? Don't. Phys physicists have the option to work for evil banks somehow really like, coming heard up, about what, i i'd live with two theoretical physicists but they're they're into academia and they always have they always said that they have the option of getting out and designing some strange algorithm for some bank that would help them do derivative i think phys i think physicists have the option of doing like really weird bank stuff that banks need to like working for evil banks well, well i don't mean I evil that banks no, I, like that's that's <clears throat> just showing my political preference i guess of not like you know yeah. digging what banks do but like <laughs> a more kind of neutral answer would be working for a bank yeah well that was never an option i mean really i never heard of someone doing physics who wanted to work for a bank or okay so how long are you into how long are you into physics before you like i'm not i don't want to do this i want to well three years i almost finished the course and then the last semester i just dropped out which is was quite a shock for my mom in a way what did they say i'm always interested in when people people bail on their well you know life. that was the strategy i only told her when the piano was already arriving at home so uh, when i already had all my decisions all made and um when have i have already changed to music so I never asked for option uh, for the European in a way. So I think it was more easy for them to accept in this way. Just because and it was done already? Yes. And in a way, man, I have 
my parents are awesome. I mean, my mom, uh, so <laughs> she she would support me. It doesn't matter. Okay, so you'd say I'm doing this, then, and they're like, "Ah, eh, that's fine. Do do what you want." Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, there were no problem at all. It was just really easy to to change to music, and then I, I studied composition there four years. My bachelor degree was in Brazil, in South Brazil. Um, so you spent seven years total. Like well, that was just the beginning, but oh, undergraduate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. Three Seven years, years, three years, then you're like, I'm done. Yeah. And then four years in composition. Yes. Yeah. That was the whole time. But you see, uh, at least I, I didn't have to pay for it in a way that's uh, the federal university. So okay, that's if you nice. get accepted, yeah. at yeah. least you don't have a huge debt yeah, yeah. at the end of the, the studies. Yeah. Well, then uh, finishing my bachelor, I had... Well, oh, here's another interesting... Um, I did an exchange study in the U.S. actually, six months. I spent in the University of Texas at Austin. No way. Where, yes, I knew at we were going to say that. Okay, at least Austin is like the coolest of the Texas cities. You Austin think so? Is, yeah, I think, really? I think Austin is a cool place. Oh, from the Texas cities. Yeah, you say. No, it's completely open. It's not Texas at all. I mean, yeah, exactly. If you exactly. just travel yeah. around. And the university is awesome. It was my first contact with a musical scene outside Brazil. Which was not the most pleasant way in a in a static perspective, because the things there in Brazil, um, the education, the musical education is quite European based. We were hearing about was um, European music, contemporary avant garde or stuff like that. But like up to date, were they were they with the times? With limitations. Um, around that time, we, we we had access. I mean, with there were already internet. Yeah. programs where you can just change, exchange uh, files and mp3 and so we, we were hearing things that were happening here i mean quite up to date okay anyway so then you go to texas and then i went to texas and it was a completely different reality i mean people there they were really doing more film music aesthetics new romantic stuff tonal really commercially uh, oriented composition which is, I mean, fine, but it, it wasn't really not what I was looking for. But they did have a, an awesome library. I remember spending the whole, I mean, really whole days just finding scores. And uh, they have more scores from German composers than they have in the library in Hamburg, where I studied afterwards. Really? University yeah. of Austin they has have, like, really, really they great... They have a huge, huge library. It's awesome. I mean, you can really spend a week over there and it never gets boring. And then there, at the University of Texas, I had the first performance of a piece ever of mine. So it was the first time I've heard a piece of mine being played. Really? Really. It was not in Brazil. That was also very, very important. Even though there were these issues with uh, aesthetic directions that they were taking over there. It was, I mean, I'm really thankful for the time I spent there. Were you an odd, were you like the oddball there? Do you know what I mean when I say yes. that? Yes. Yeah. I was. I remember the concert, the, the final concert of the semester. My piece was really the, how do you say, the the tale of the, the duck, the, the ugly duck? No. The story of the ugly duckling. Yeah. Yeah, Genau. Okay, yeah. Uh, right. Genau, sorry. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Okay, I mean... So it was quite, quite odd. There was this other guy who were more like in the, not European, but doing something else. But no, pretty much everybody there, they, they do more... Well, you know, you come from the U.S., you know how is the music scene. I mean, the coasts, they have quite a very different aesthetics as in the middle, what's happening. You know, believe it or not, even as a citizen 
I haven't spent that much time in the middle of it. I've driven through it. That's it. I haven't really been into those middle states, let alone like done any musical stuff yeah. in the middle part of the country. So you hear things. So you know things come to the coastline, and then you hear them, and you're like, ooh. I really don't know the people there. What did they think of your music? What did they think of the ugly duckling? Yeah. Well, I must say that the guy who performed the piece was my teacher over there. So I'm extremely thankful for that. I mean, even though it was quite a completely different aesthetics, my teacher over there, he he, he got the score. Well, I'm going to play it. It was a piece for uh, piano and bass clarinet. And I received some 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 nice feedbacks in a way. That That's another thing. They're not as critical as they are here in Europe or Germany, which is where I'm studying. It's like almost as is as if everything goes, you know. Well, that's our thing. Okay, that's fine. Just stick to it, and they're not much questioning in a way. Did you like that or not like that? I mean, the thing is, you're you're at a point where you're st- like, how old are you at this point? I'm gonna guess twenty four, twenty five. Yes, okay. exactly. That's kind of the time when you need to be cut down a number of times. That's true. That's true. I mean, the, the, I must say that the, the main issues that were arriving during the classes were like, is it playable? How can you change it to be easily performable? But there were never static questions. Never. And for me, I mean, I was quite young and I was delighted to have my piece performed. And yay, it's, I was just happy. <laughs> to, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was as I, I started my studies in Hamburg, which these questions, they, they became even more important. So they became really the central point of my, my composing. I mean, why Germany? Yeah, it was clear for me before going to the US that I was going to really do my, my master's or uh, doctorate degree in the US. And then this experience uh, at the University of Texas at Austin, it kind of showed me, well, maybe that's not the place where you should be looking for answers or Anything. No, not anything. It was great, as I said. Please, don't <laughs> don't think it was... People, under- <clears throat> people understand what you're talking about, yes. though, right? So I don't think there's any reason to like be... You yeah. know, you're not being offensive right now. There's no, the, the, the US is just, The US is a certain way, you know? Yeah. Like, everybody kind of understands what, you know, yeah. what that is. And if you want something where you're going to have a deep, you know, aesthetic discussion, you either have to find the right group of friends in the US, or you have to go to a certain schools that model themselves off of European thinking yeah, in the yeah. U.S. Mm-hmm. So you weren't there. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You said, you know, I need to start asking myself some questions outside of technical ability and uh, vocation. And uh, Europe is the place where those discussions happen. And, you know, sometimes they happen to the detriment of te- Thanks for putting technical that proficiency. Nice yeah. Place. So no big deal. You, you knew what you needed at that point yes. and you knew where to get it, you know. Perfect. Then I came back to Brazil. I applied for um, a scholarship, DAAD, which saved a lot of people <laughs> in that's, a way. Yeah, 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 that's what I got. You've heard, right? Yeah. You got also a DAAD? Yeah, I got, I got, but I didn't get the, uh, uh, I got the study one. Okay. I, did, I didn't get the, like, uh, you know, Claire here? Like a lot of people yes. get like the Kunstler Prize, which is like, no, you are no. the bomb. Yeah, we, yeah. Only, we only give out two of these a year or one of these a year. And then here's your amazing apartment. Yeah, yeah. But for me, and I think probably for you, it was just like, here's a little bit of money. Yes. So you can buy some food and like a house, you know, or like shelter for a while. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit more than that. I mean, they also gave me, maybe for you too, um, a, a time to a uh, German course, language course, which was Yeah, they gave decisive. me that too. 
to yeah. be able to live in Germany yeah, at yeah. first. I mean, I was they, not speaking before that German. Yeah, same with me. I got yeah. that too. Yeah. So it is more than that. I'm just, yeah. They But, really put you in the environment. I mean, they prepare you to... to okay. And, well, then I applied and I, I did my, my, my tests, admission tests in, in Hamburg. Everything went fine. And then I started to work with uh, Manfred Stanke, which is the... The teacher there in Hamburg, the main. And there I was surprised. It was really a shock at first when I presented my music at the discussion group, the composition discussion group. I showed my music and they, I, at first, I, I just received a lot of criticism from him, from the other composers. And it was really a shock for me. What's uh, your music like at this point? Well, I must say my influences were, were kind of apparent in the music. I mean, you could really hear which composers I was, I was listening at, at the time, in a way, maybe Ligeti. Yeah, I mean, those references, there were um, coming to Brazil, the, the, this kind of huge European composers yeah. and style. And, and well, I, I won't deny it, there were a lot of influence over there. But then there was this huge shock at first. I mean, they were listening to the piece and say, well, why are you just reproducing, doing another piece that somebody else already did? And especially because, mainly because uh, I think my motto was Ligeti at, at the time. And my, my teacher, Manfred Stanke, he was a student from Ligeti. Ligeti teached in Hamburg for quite a while, and then he retired. And, and then um, these questions about originality, who are you? It's like, almost like a psychoanalysis, in a way. That became really the central point, the focus of the, the, the classes, much more than uh, just practical issues. Okay, so what conclusions did you come to? Uh, you're highly influenced by Ligeti, that's apparent in your music, people are calling you out on it. Yeah. And uh, what direction did you go in after that? Well, I tried to avoid it, and I tried to, to in a way, well, I can say with uh, just a few words, I, I can describe what will be my language or what will be my own characteristics. I did try to, to, to look at common elements that were already in the earlier pieces that I think would represent myself better than uh, just trying to, to do a nice piece uh, which would fit very well in the European scene in a way. Just It was like two years of, of trying to discover this my, my own voice. So uh, I, I underwent a lot of crisis, I must say, even. In this in this time, Are you okay with like to... some some people are good at going through that process, and some people get like really bummed out and depressed with it. Did you keep positive, <clears throat> or like the whole time you're like, oh, this is terrible, I'm a fraud? Yes, because I, I must say, uh, thanks to Manfred, thanks to my teacher, even though he was at first criticizing, he was really stimulating my my work in a way. I mean, he he believed it in in me, so it was a very beautiful time actually. I mean, these two years working with him and. Another important thing, apart from the, the individual classes, they have a very, very practical uh, approach in uh, German where you get your pieces performed right away. So you write and then you, you, you see how it sounds, you see it performed. And I also founded a small group, a small ensemble at the university, Ensemble Volumina Consort, which I conducted. And that was, uh, these two years were, were like really a, a paradise where I just could compose, try things out, people would play it, I would receive a nice feedback from my teacher, and everything 
went perfect. I mean, I must say it was the ideal, situ ideal situation for good me. For, good for you for setting, for putting yourself in a situation. I'm not even just talking about going to uh, Germany to study and have a more kind of aesthetic experience, but also kind of setting things up where you could still get that vocational information. Yeah. You know, and like uh, by setting up like a nice little feedback loop with your own ensemble. And I think composers don't, do that enough i mean i don't mean like be proactive but like uh put themselves in a situation where they have a nice little feedback loop and they have the room to get technically better with yeah. their ideas you know what maybe maybe it comes from from my background in brazil where you have very nice people uh very nice ideas but you don't have the means to achieve things i mean i remember trying to download music or i mean you try to find a way to get your hands on stuff when you are in a place like I was in the, at the University of Texas and in German, and you see that you have the means to do it, you don't think twice. I mean, you you already have this predisposition to to be acting, to 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 do stuff, to to put your hands on stuff. Um, so that was the case. Uh, that happened to me in the U.S. and that happened in Germany also. So I wanted to have piece perform, talk to people, make an ensemble, invite. Uh, I mean, it was just moving myself and, and, and doing things. I couldn't ask for more. <laughs> yeah. I'm still... So you're in this position now. It's a good position where, A, you have a good teacher who's stimulating yeah, um, and encouraging you through whatever you're trying to figure out. Yes. And then you also have this ensemble that you're running. So you're getting experience through music Yeah, uh, Isn't about what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So where, do you, where are you going now? Like, where you, what are you discovering? What are you like, this works, I want to do this. Oh, I'm not that person. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, what conclusions are you coming to about your music? After uh, this experience, after these two years, what, what conclusions? Yeah, after, the, after these two years. Well, I must say that I'm quite satisfied with the results that, my, my, that I could achieve with my pieces uh, in a way of finding a personal voice. Um, just a parenthesis, this piece that... Uh, is being played here at Caldeamos. That piece was the first piece I've, I composed during my masters, during this whole process, and it took me like a year and a year and a half actually to finish this piece. So I kind of of seen this piece, my whole evolution during this uh, trying to find my own voice. You hear the piece, uh, at least for me. Uh, I'm not sure how is it for other people hearing the piece, but for me, it's like really a a, a diary of uh, of my search through uh personal voice or and i'm quite happy with the way it ends uh, in a way i'm asking you to describe like some technical aspects that you like or there's definitely a huge theatrical element to this piece mm -hmm. yes it's staged in a way but like not like, yeah not like <clears throat> opera staged there's no set you know the ensemble is the set mm -hmm. kind of of course how does that work what's the idea of that so to give you some some short answers, direct answers to the. So to answer you directly, what conclusions I, I had, I could find, in a way, or what was important for me in the, in this piece and in the whole process. Yeah, I found that it was really important for me to to find a kind of a functionality in my pieces, um, perceivable one, in a way. So I started to deal with m musical objects in a with musical material like objects as i as i said really uh, to try to connect them and um, that was something that was uh, important for me i mean 
there are no systems, uh, mathematical, abstract ones. It, it's really in your face what's happening. So that was an issue for me, not to, to, to think behind the music, but really on what's happening on the surface, uh, in a way. Um, and try to be clear with did, the ideas. Now, I'm thinking of Germans. Do Ger were the Germans like, you yeah. have to have something behind the surface? Yeah, yeah. And what did you say? No, I don't? Not at all. And I must say that Hamburg, in this sense, is kind of an, an island uh, in Germany. Where it's really something else. Uh, you study in Berlin, right? I study in Berlin. Well, I studied in Berlin. Okay. Then, yeah. And in Hamburg, these are not the main concerns. You don't need you to, to prove yourself that you you can make nice calculations or uh, nice systems to keep your piece standing. You 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 can really. It's really about how it's it's sounding or what what do you see there. Well, then I discovered that I really like to 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 deal with musical materials as objects. As, 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 in, almost in a semantical way, like you have object A, then you have object B, then you combine the two, then A, B, and B, then when you expect A to come again, you put a C element over there, really almost like building blocks. That was something important for me, at least to have a immediate communication in a way with a piece. With a... So clarity, clarity is actually the, was the main issue.
Se passe mieux. C'est passé mieux, le temps est passé fou. C'est passé fou. Mais t'es passé C'est passé fou. Mais le temps est passé fou. C'est passé mieux, le temps est passé. Passé mieux, le temps est passé. C'est passé mieux, le temps est passé fou.
Quand tu te mets à te couper, ne crée pas de coupé, 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 ne crée pas de coupé
Ой, тук малко купия. На къде ти комбен? Не се въртил? Не пита как какаш. Ой, тук малко купия. На къде ти комбен? Не се въртил? Не пита как какаш. Ой, тук малко купия. На къде ти комбен? Не се въртил? Не пита как какаш. Ще се пасем и я докотия. Кольцо-смат-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-кокопия-к
thinking about the Gariamos piece now. Yeah. And I guess that narrative comes from the singer. Yes. Right? What's the idea? What's the storyline in this? Well, there is no storyline in a way, uh, a clear storyline. I, I only give the beginning of the story. It's about a king that wakes up one day and starts to speak a language that nobody can understand except for himself. He, he starts to speak this weird language, which I, I wrote. And You mean up the language? Yes. Okay. And that's, well, I mean, it's gibberish, but... Yeah. It's gibberish, yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's the, the generative material for the whole piece, so everything comes from the singer. That's another important aspect for me in, in music. I always like to have one focal point, in a way, one element that from all the others derive from. So in this case, it's the voice, the singer. And the imitations, they're quite obvious, what he does and what the ensemble does. The, all the instruments, they, they kind of imitate the voice. The whole time, it's a speech-based instrumentation. So that was uh, my approach. This singer, he uh, undergoes um, a lot of different states, a lot of different moods, but that's a constant through the piece that the instruments, they relate with the singer almost in an imitative way. So you do perceive when he does a wah, the trombone will do, of course, the same. So it's important for me to, to, to have this immediate feedback of what's happening in the music. I mean, that's the focal point, the singer and what he does. It's exactly what the ensemble is doing and uh, this kind of game back and, and forth. So once again, clarity is, is something I strive for. Yeah. You know, is there a narrative outside of the gibberish? You know what I mean when I say that. Like, does it like where does it, like where do you picture it going in your head? Well, you, you you can tell the narrative from the text. Of course, it doesn't mean anything. And apart from the beginning, from the initial idea of this king appearing and starting to speak this new language, there is no predefined script for the, everyone can almost say what what they want about this story in a way. I really try to 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 keep a constant, you know, as I said the relationship between the, the musicians and the, the voice, in a way. But I did have one. And it was developing as I was composing the piece. I mean, the narrative, the story, and the... So you didn't sit down and like, this is going to happen. You were like, oh, I guess this is happening. This is... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's how I compose. I start to compose with the first bar, and I end to compo uh, the composing process with the last bar. So uh, really, I, I compose chronologically. So I discover the music as I'm composing it. Of but course, I look backwards afterwards and I correct things that are not good. For example, you're going to hear at the beginning this huge tremble of the violin that it seems like nothing is happening at all. That was like at the beginning just five seconds of a tremolo. Then I look back, well, it could be a little bit longer than 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30, 40 seconds. I mean, this kind of revision I can make afterwards. How long did it take you to write this? A year and a half? A year? What yes. did you say? Yes. A year a and, and a half. half. Yes. Wait, was, does this include like all the revision? No, just to, to get the, the first draft of the piece, actually. I did compose a piece while I was composing this one. So I started the first five minutes of the piece I, I composed in 2010. Then it was played, the same singer, he played it, this first five-minute draft. And then I composed another piece, and, and then I came back to this one to finish it and do the, the final 15-minute. Do you think working so much on one like, is it hard to tell your, like, the evolution of the kind of aesthetic thinking? You know, let's say you're, like, Wolfgang Ream or something yeah. like that. You're just constantly throwing stuff out there. Yeah. Some of it's really bad. Some of it's okay. Some of it's good. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
But at the same time, there's so many pieces out there that it, it becomes the more pieces that you have in a shorter period of time, the more pixelated the evolution of that composer is. Yes. Because, okay. because, no, okay. because you see the slight changes from piece to piece because mm-hmm. the pace of your writing is more matched with the pace of your thinking. Yes. Okay. Yes. And in this case, in, for me, it's quite obvious what, what happens in these pieces. The, the, really, I start, for me, it's quite clear the influences I had at the beginning of the piece and the influences I had at the ending of the piece. As I said, it's really a diary. I mean, uh, I can hear, I'm not sure which references would you recognize in the piece at the beginning, at the end. But the piece, uh, this piece really shows my evolution, trying to find my own voice as a composer. As I told, it was, it was written in this period where I, in Hamburg, where I were. I was trying to find my own voice in a way. Literally chronologically? Literally like within chronologi- the piece? Yes, okay. yes. The first second is one composer, it's one Daniel. The last second of the piece is Daniel 2 or 3 or 4. Okay, so... Really, that's, that, that's, it's like a Frankenstein so in a does, way. So does Daniel 4, like, was into using objects as You see, yeah, yeah, that's an element. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why, why, why the hell was the singer playing uh, objects and gadgets at the end? I mean, it was Daniel finding out that gadgets are cool <laughs> to play with. And, and the, the, the interesting rhetoric of dealing with objects, literally and musically. I mean, musical objects and objects, found objects. You like the king in this? Like the character in the piece, almost? No, I wouldn't say that. Well, it can be. Daniel never thought about it. Is it so autobiographical? It's weird. It's autobiographical, but not in a way of retrospect. It's not like you would write a piece now in six months about that year and a half period. Yeah, yeah. It's literally that year and a half period. It's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a print of, of, of this, yeah, yeah, this discovery. And it's so amazing. I mean, when a new element comes in the piece, it means they're really discovered, uh, well, I can do something with it. That, that's, that's my way. That's my, and and I'm, I would say that the music I do today has more to do with the last... Two minutes of the piece, in a way. So, so you use a lot of objects now in. Uh, yeah, I'm writing a huge concert right now for the Ensemble Modern. Uh, it's a concert for ensemble and for soloists, where they don't play any musical instrument at all. It's called Emergency Procedures, and they only play emergency and safety materials like a metal detector or a Geiger counter, and this kind of stuff. And I'm really, really into that right now i mean i like to build my own gadgets and put my hands and soldering you know how do you play a geiger counter oh it's a mock-up i must say right now oh, okay. i okay. must say well they do have the object there then i pre-recorded the sound of a geiger counter i mean i, I cannot put re- radioactive stuff in the yeah, ensemble exactly. moderna yeah, yeah. i don't want to kill them somewhere yeah, it's a yeah. very fine ensemble they, they should be there for a while well uh, then i i do record the sound of the geiger counter and he can trigger it playing the the on off button of the Geiger counter and then the sound comes from a speaker in a way that that was my solution but i would like to put uranium or something there if it would be possible or uh, <laughs> just like this is one part wow that is that is extreme dedication to new music if new a percussionist mi- is allowed to do that <laughs> you're writing for objects yeah. for them right? yeah yeah how do you choose which instrument cuz i wonder about this is that how would you choose a violin like what would a violin player play as an object do they ever play the violin in the piece? No, no. The ensemble, they, they do play their instruments. Only the four soloists, they have these objects. 
Okay, that makes more sense. The ensemble, they, they, may, they, they play their instruments. There are 20 musicians playing musical instruments, but there are four in front of the ensemble uh, playing these gadgets and these objects, which are like trigger, uh, they, they trigger the ensemble in a way. So it's almost, well, it's the same thing that happens at the end of the piece of the king. Is it four percussionists playing this? Or? I don't specify, actually. At first, they, they were supposed to be instrumentalists, a trombone or something else. It, my, my first idea was really that the instruments would come up some in a moment in the piece, but I just gave up and let's stick to the object idea. The woman from the Ensemble Modern, she asked me, so which players? I mean, they, they only need to be open to, to do this kind of performance stuff and be kind of able with their hands. Uh, I was talking to another composer about this, and I said that she should write an orchestration book on how to compose objects for certain instruments. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have an object that requires a lot of fast moving with your fingers. Yeah. Maybe it would be best to actually give that to a pianist. Yeah, that was my first thought, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But from my experience, I mean, dealing with musicians, it has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the instrument the person plays. But there's... A, but really? I always think that you could give it like a level of virtuosity... If you, if you give the object to the right player, then you can add a level of virtuosity that you wouldn't if you were just giving it to any player. Well, I, I would say again, uh, even though you may think that a pianist would be better uh, dealing with objects that require fast finger movements, no, it doesn't happen at all. I mean, really, uh, it's really from person to person. Because the, the pianists, uh, the, the, their muscle reactions are really related to the piano, to the keys. When you're dealing with objects, it's just really another world. It doesn't matter if you play the saxophone, the, the piano, or the, the flute. It's from person to person. With my, well, from my experience, I already had one rehearsal with Ensemble Modern, where there were two piano players, a trombone player, and a trumpet player. Okay. And you would say, well, the two piano players would have, of course, mastered it, and the trombone player, because he plays a thing with his slide, he wouldn't be able to... Uh, perform so so nicely oh, but that's not the case not at all i mean it's quite a lucky thing uh when you're writing for objects it can be that the performer that he can perform it well or not uh, so i'm not nowhere near concert piano but i play the piano yeah right? and i compose at the piano and i know i have piano fingers i have like twitchy piano fingers yeah, yeah. and i wrote a piece for a percussion where they're literally um, i told you not to bang on the table but people are going to hear this that you're su they're supposed to be Tapping with their fingers, but in fast rhythms, like. Okay. I would have a thimble on one of one of the fingers, so then she would be able to. The percussionist would be able to choose what type of sound she would be getting because she always had the option of having a finger with a thimble on it. Okay. But this is very tricky piano-like fingering when you're aware of what finger you're using, yeah. and because she was a percussionist, she wasn't able to get the steady rhythm. Really? Yeah. She wasn't able to tap in sextuplets. It was very, it was almost like. I, I think that your writing for objects, it's quite different than mine then. No, no I'm, I'm saying I screwed up. And I was like, yeah. oh, maybe I should have. Then you're writing the a percussion part. The, yeah. You're writing a percussion part in that yeah. way. Yeah. No, it was a percussion part. It was on a drum, yeah. actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. Of course, if you write like sex duplets for a piano player to perform on a drum, there are going to be issues. 
the problem the problem is is when I, sometimes when you compose for objects is you become a virtuoso on that object because you're spending months and months and months with it that's learning true. how to do it yeah and then you give it to them and they're like i have two weeks to become a to learn another instrument literally mm-hmm. like that I i'm don't not even sure own. if i'm gonna make it but i do want to make a video of me performing these objects to to give them i mean to to show exactly you're right we become quickly a virtuoso with these objects how to play a geiger counter yeah. i mean you shouldn't expect that the you other wake, you wake up in the morning and it's time yeah. to compose and you have your geiger counter right there and yeah, then yeah you're spending hours and hours and it's and hours. really some, something detailed i mean if you rub your finger here it becomes a, a sound and if you rub it well yeah it, at the end you should be a little bit detached from it i mean trying to be that detailed uh well you shouldn't expect the performer that he can play as well as you in a way. But I think it helps nowadays to do video and everything you can just do to in a certain way if they see you do it, it gives you a little bit more street cred. You yeah, for I mean? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, Oh, what well, you're just some composer who thought this up, you know, in an abstract bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you have no idea what the real world is like for composers and now we can't and now we can't do it and you're yeah. a bad composer now. But if you're like, actually give me that thing and yeah. then you like and you show them how to do it, then they're like, Okay, I guess it's possible. I yes. have to do it. Yeah. Yes, yes. But how, how difficult are you gonna make these object parts? Yeah, and you know what, what what's interesting about when you're composing with objects, it that um it quickly becomes a kind of choreography in a way. And then that's another point that that's becoming more important for me is this kind of gestural uh, thinking of the objects. Not just the objects as, uh, as they do sound, but how they, they look like and how the performer interacts with them. So when you write for, for an object, in a way, you're, you're kind of writing a choreography. So that, that's quite exciting for me at the moment. And once again, it happens at the end of my piece with the kink where he plays these objects and uh, it's really a choreography, uh, what he's doing over there. That's, that's my current concerns about music, about discourse, how, how I do. It's weird. I'm thinking about the king. I was, I was so imposing a narrative on this that I was like waiting to ask you, what does this Daniel, mean? Yes. Like, so what, what like, does it mean for like, you? Yeah. What is, what, like, or what is the symbol, what, like, or of him using the, what's it called? The spritzer. Yeah. Yeah. I like, can tell my interpretation of the piece. Actually, he's not a king. He's just a guy working in a supermarket and he's dreaming that he's a king. I mean, at the end, he's just playing supermarket stuff like this price tagger. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, that's a price tagger. Clack, 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 clack. Yeah. And then. Then some was... tapes, gaffer, uh, gaffer tape. Duct tape, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so um, he's playing uh, supermarket stuff. Yes, a bell, and that's what he does. He's actually working there, and he dreams that he's a king. And at the end, we see what he really is. So, what was your interpretation of the the story? That it was a king that had like the ensemble was his subjects. And that it was uh, uh, it was a king who was pompous and incompetent, and that he could not he was slowly losing control of his subjects and not reacting in the right way. Uh, there was this moment where there was this back and forth where it goes I'm gonna try and sing now, but please he like, do it. Oh, and then the ensemble would do a similar a, yeah. you know, a similar gliss down, and there was this almost hocket like thing going back and forth. Yeah, and then he expects them to respond. Yeah, and then they don't, and then he goes, and then he goes, huh? Yeah, you know, yeah, and it's and that's a that's uh, uh, I love your interpretation and, and, of and, in, and in a king not being competent over his over his people, 
And it's almost like, and the end because of that, he made an ass out of himself. Yes. Right. Like he made a fool out of himself. And it reminded me of that moment where like you're in the car singing with a song, a yeah. bunch of friends. Yeah. And like, you think the chorus comes in one more time and it doesn't. And then it doesn't. Yeah. 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 And then all your friends are like, Oh, you suck. Yeah. You thought you knew this song. But the thing is you do it with a type of, you're like into the song. That's Obviously, totally that's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you do it with the, you do it with like the confidence yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know, I mean, that's well, what that's, I got. That's, like, that's a really... Certain interpretations of him being in, uh, an incompetent public speaker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And really, and really struggling with the crowd. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. true. I mean, it's all there. Uh, I must say there are really similar points with my own uh, interpretation of the piece. And of course, your interpretation has as much to do with the piece as with yourself. I mean, not that you are <laughs> this person that you just described, but... Uh, the way you see the piece has much to do with your relationship with uh, things. Uh, it certainly plays into my own fears, actually, I would yeah, say. Yeah, 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 I think so. About keeping control of a crowd when you're like speaking publicly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's true. No, but, but I, I really wanted to put the, the singer in awkward situations. And in the, the, this moment that you just described, it, it was really as I thought. I mean, He's repeating one thing, repeating one thing, and then he repeats what he wasn't supposed to repeat that thing. And it's, whoops. Yeah. Oops, just blew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, as I said, there are no fixed lines. I'm, I must say, I must confess that I wrote a text at first. I mean, after I composed a piece, I, I thought, well, this piece needs a text accompanying it no, and explaining it. Oh, you mean a text to accompany the piece to the give piece, you... The piece, the whole story. One day the king woke up and he started to speak this language and the people came to see the king. They found the king lying in his bed. Oh, thank, and so, thank God you didn't do thank that. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would have been awful. <laughs> a good friend of mine told the same thing. I mean, man, just... Uh, well, nice try, but just throw it away. I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, but I, Because it's going to raise more questions than you'll be able to answer. And you're not going to be able to have people do things. Oh, this always happens. What, 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 what is it? This is, Let's dance, Daniel. Well, this is... Uh, <laughs> hold on. This is fucking... Um, when from I'm now, 64. When I'm 64. You do love me. You still need me. When I'm 64. Bum, bum. Oh, there's the chorus. You see, I was doing like the king. I yeah, was yeah, expecting yeah, yeah, to come yeah. <laughs> the chorus, but it didn't come. Well, we are in a museum, right? This is this is this what, is what, a what museum. Is it? It's a museum of street organs. But where, I, I didn't visit it. What, were you there? I've been seeing the if things you, that if they you, have. If you walk around, it's just a museum filled with like old street organs. It's all about organs here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But not, but not like church organs, yeah. like like literally organs that like you wheel out into the street and then you like pump air into them and then they play a, you know, and they play a song and then you yeah, ho- yeah, hopefully yeah. people will give you money. Like well, apparently they, they love this kind of uh, machines, right? I, mean, I, I guess so. Right if, there's a, if there's a yeah. museum about it, you know, like so far I've heard Old MacDonald on street organs, yeah. which is like the lamest thing you've ever heard. Um, Gangman style. Like no, they do have, style. really. Yeah, yeah, and Michael Jackson's uh, Thriller has been the most popular one by far. Thriller, how how's the riff on? Yeah, 
This one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except God, but it's like street organ music, so it's got like a little umba to it. So like, it's so awful. So during your interviews, it's just playing the background. This kind of oh yeah, you I guarantee if you're gonna listen to these Gadiams interviews, you will hear organ thriller. Really? Yeah. Oh, and it ends so lame. It's like ba da ba da ba da 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 ba. Yeah, yeah. Like ugh, that's how you're gonna end thriller. And you're supposed to give money afterwards, right? To just throw that there yeah, yeah, at the yeah. streets I was seeing there with a bucket with Yeah, coins. you were there were you there yesterday? Yes. Yeah. There was this huge uh, organ. Yeah, they they, they they had they had a big one. Yeah, yeah. I don't see well, how that's I, a I don't job. think that's not fantastic because they're not playing anything. I mean yeah, the, yeah. the whole deal is uh, the, the machine is doing everything. Well, why and then they stay there with a face like, Yeah, I did it, look. But you did nothing actually. You just yeah. Maybe you build the whole thing, which is quite an accomplishment. Apart from that, you're, you're not playing anything. I, I, I agree. It's very awkward because it's just they're sitting there with money next to this thing that's doing yeah, all the work. Yeah, that's doing all know. the work. I mean, Maybe they have to maintain it. And the thing is normally – I would even consider giving them money if there was some guy on a bicycle pumping air into the Pumping thing. air, of course. But it's just an electric motor. He's doing nothing. He's just staying there smiling. I mean the whole work was from the machine and from Michael Jackson for composing the yeah. thriller. Which is, you know yeah. what I wanted to do? I just wanted to park a car near them and keep the motor running and then blast the radio and like do the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> do the same thing, which is exactly like the you. same thing. I'm kind of like you. Not only can I do this, but I can also bring people from point A to point B in this thing. So yeah. Yeah. there you go. Just, you know? <laughs> do it, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a shitty taxi, is what they're. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the Beatles. Uh, that that's that was my main influence actually. When I had to, I, I used to have a Beatles cover band. Really? So if you ask me and, and give me a guitar, I just can play you. You can play any yeah, Beatles song. Any Beatles song, if you want. I, I cannot sing them, but I can accompany accompany you if you want. Do, do I sound yeah. like I could sing anything? <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, I think so. Uh, yeah, you could, you could. You just uh, sang my piece, right? You did just some excerpts from the King, but it's just gibber- gibberish. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, it was. It was just to give you an example. Yeah. But anyway, getting back, thank God you didn't write a storyline to that because I think it deals with enough like basic human awkwardness when it comes to dealing with other people. Yes, that you know people can project their own stuff onto it. Yeah, you know? yeah. If it, was, if it was some weird thing where this guy came and started making some noise and then started like scratching on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then, do, you know, doing all this really subversive stuff that could be like that humans don't do every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then people would be like, what is this? And maybe you would have to write a story. But it's dealing enough with like human. Well, first of all, I must say that one of the reasons to, to throw away this story is because I'm not at all a talented writer. I mean, it was really painful to, to read what I wrote. <laughs> I can say, it's hilarious. I, I, can, I can say, well, it was in English, which, which is not my main language. Well, I can say you're going to have maybe some laughs. It's, it's really bad written. I mean, it's awful to read. And the second reason was not to raise more questions than I could answer, really. If I just keep it that way, you, do, you have your interpretation, I have mine. I don't want to impose it. I mean, the music is there to be seen. And, uh, what if you didn't even have, like, King in the title? Yeah. No, I think actually that's necessary. That's necessary. And the beginning also to tell what is about a king that starts to speak this language yeah. that nobody understands. And apart from that, you don't need to do any more. It's, it's, it's there. I wonder if people would actually get King out of it if you didn't write King. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> it will be obvious that it's about a king. Of course not. Of course not. 
And well, maybe if I knew that there was already a piece about a Mad King, you know that piece uh, six. Yeah, uh, um, Peter Maxwell Davies. Maxwell, yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about it before starting the piece, so I wrote the piece, and then somebody came to me and said, "Well, look, there's another piece about a king, and so on and so forth." But thanks God, it's not uh, similar. Apart it's from the sim- fact that it is about a king, it's just that. But well, the the topic has already been dealt with. I mean, king in music, crazy king, yeah. absurd uh, situations dealing with king. It's got a lightness to it, dude. Like, is the ensemble modern piece also going to have like a lightness to it? I feel like when you're dealing with objects, it's there's an absurdity to it, and like, a, oh, this is wonderfully wrong. This is a new music concert, and they're taking out, um, you know, uh, they're ripping off pieces of duct tape and you know yeah. using a spritzer. So the idea of making it light. That's quite important feel, for me. Yeah. That has a lot to do uh, with the way I, I I perceive new music, how, how how is it in a way supposed to be, at least for me. I mean, I'm really sick and tired of this kind of, well, now I'm going to start complaining. No, I won't. I, I need to behave myself. But this kind of ultra-intellectual uh, way, this metaphysical way of dealing with music and sound... I see no problem of contemporary music being entertaining. There you can sit there and you can really enjoy without just raising questions and thinking afterwards about the how deep it was and how sounds there mean something extra musical or something. Well, the relationships in my music, they're there, at least for me. That's what I'm looking for at the moment, actually, to do something entertaining and um as you said, when I'm using daily objects which have a very specific function in the real world, when I put them in this kind of uh, uh, artificial artificial setting, of course, it's uh, it's kind of even uh, funny, uh, I must say. I think television ruined the idea of entertaining also being uh, intellectually stimulating. Yes. Or not television, yes. but certain types of, like, I think people make the assumption of just because you were entertained in the same way that you would be entertained if you were watching. Uh, it's the, it doesn't mean that it can also tap into another part of your brain that makes you say, wow, this is amazing. What was that about? And I had all this weird interpretation about, you know, yeah. the piece you wrote, even though uh, there That's, were awkward laugh, you know, laughing moments in it. So you think television is... is Maybe not television. why Maybe not there's this misunderstanding uh, with entertainment being superficial. Maybe it's not television, but it's certain forms of entertainment that are so absolutely married and connected to commerce Yeah, that yeah. people really draw a distinct line in their minds where it's one or the other. Yeah. And that's just not, that's just not true. That's not true at yeah. all. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, and I must say, I'm, I'm really fond of uh, composers that kind of write in this way. And I'm really fond of television writers that are able to do yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Sopranos. You've heard me probably bring this up a Man, million times. Man, we have the same taste for, for, for series, I think. Yeah, Breaking Bad, Sopranos. But the, and anybody who knows anything knows that those shows yeah. are like high quality shows that are not only engaging but require much thought afterwards in order to analyze it and figure it out so oh, the, the sopranos the, the, that's really massive it's it's huge well it's the best uh, uh it's the best television series that's ever been written and filmed like yeah. like where i grew up mad men it has a kind of a different taste don't you think it's much more reflexive uh, 
how do you say reflective, reflective. maybe historically yeah, reflective yeah i remember seeing it I, i don't see it anymore but um there was those long scenes and nothing happened he's uh dan uh what's his name now the the main character don draper don draper of course yeah. don just staring at the window and nothing happens then it cuts back to something else yeah those are amazing yeah, yeah, huh? those, are, those are nice those are nice you know the uh god i probably mentioned this a bunch of times on the podcast already but um do you know that the writer uh, matthew uh matthew weiner he got he was a writer for the sopranos he wrote on the sopranos and david chase the creator of the sopranos hired him after reading the pilot for mad men like mad men was this idea that he had had forever and he could yeah. never get it made and then he was just applying to jobs so you know saying here's a sample of my writing and it was the pilot for mad men and then the creator of the sopranos looked at this and was like oh my god yeah and they hired him and then some of the best episodes are co-written by the you know the creator of mad men yeah yeah, yeah. there's a whole school of people uh television writers that worked for hbo during the late 90s and early 2000s and they mm -hmm. kind of dictated what a tele a good television series is now yeah yeah No, but not just the, the writing, but the, how it's it's cutted, how it's directed. For example, the last scene of The Sopranos, the scene you know, right? Yeah, where they're sitting the famous in the diner. scene that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. How's it? How's it made? Uh, I mean, this uh, in a way it's kind of similar with the way uh, I like to to think about music. I mean, first of all, you have point of view, then somebody coming up, uh, his point of view. Then somebody coming in the in the dinner. Then you see this person, uh, a shot in this person, and this this process, this kind of scene, uh, is repeated like three or four times. Yeah. A point of view, uh, then his face, then somebody coming into the dinner. Yeah, yeah. Point of view, his face, somebody coming. Point of view, so it repeats four or five times, and in the last one where you, we're supposed to see the point of view, it's just black. Because so, he got because he got killed. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's that's the idea. I mean, expectation. He builds up really a, a very musical i mean uh, i mean of course cinema and music has a lot to do with the way you're cutting and uh, building discourse just i need to see that scene again i haven't seen that scene in forever i got so mad at people who was like what the hell we don't know what happens at the end i was like don't do you understand what this guy did of course like it almost makes me admire david chase more more because it was like you were watching incredible art this whole time and you didn't even know it And you were just thought you were watching like a television series that you thought was going to end like some dumb, stupid television series. And it gets really abstract at the end because that's, this is like the mood that he can set. This is like where he was going with this. And you're like, what the hell? You didn't get to see him get shot in the face? What the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, I'm sure that they did? have thought about all the possibilities. Should we, we do the black scene with the sound of a gun? Should we show the gun? Should we show the killer? But they really rejected all these possibilities and just showed this black scene. And you know the the the, the titles, the the how do you say the the words? Yeah, they, they waited. Yeah, they, they waited a long, long time to, to show them up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really well done, really well done, and entertaining. So if we can join the things, that uh, life would be much better, and the concerts, new music concerts, would be, would be much more enjoyable. But I think it's also related to all types of other systemic problems in our field. Actually, yeah, yeah. But then, like, as soon as you bring that up, then people assume that you're, like, a pandering like, guy who's like, let's, you know, let's have McDonald's Presents, you know, <laughs> yeah, Gadiamos yeah. Music Days, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. something. I'm like, no, I'm not talking about that. There's a spectrum, and you can create amazing things depending on where you are in that spectrum. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we've been talking for, I got to get ready for the next one, unfortunately. But thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome, Dan.